You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Madden. Frank, the Milwaukee Bucks are three and one. They are, and you know, Giannis Adetokounmpo, the new normal, 32 points, 14 boards, six assists, a couple blocks, a steal, did have six turnovers, but um, 13 to 21 shooting again, you know, right in that range that we've seen him at. It was actually slightly lower than some of his his, uh, averages in terms of obviously the points per game i joked on twitter that his uh points per game number uh plummeted tonight to uh what is it at now i think it plummeted from 38.3 to 36.8 points per game so really i don't know if he's gonna recover from that yeah his true shooting mark which you know again factors in free throws and the increased value of three pointers um the best kind of you know measure for for all inclusive sort of shooting efficiency um scoring efficiency uh that was around 71 percent heading to the game dropped all the way to 70 percent so just kind of a below average game i think you know and and i mean it's you know it's just kind of crazy what we're kind of just getting used to and taking for granted at this point but um yeah i mean Giannis again was the engine of everything scored the first seven points for the bucks and uh got them off to a quick start then he missed four in a row but certainly as the game went on he you know again just uh, made his presence felt in every way possible and only downside six turnovers you know it had some had some bad passes today um a couple of just sort of you know questionable decisions just kind of you know tap on the chest type plays where he, mm-hmm. you know, was like, Oh yeah, that was definitely, um, yeah. But, but overall again, Giannis, the engine of uh, a win that I would say was not super impressive by any stretch, but nope. you know, you look at kind of the end result, a one Oh three ninety four win over the Charlotte Hornets, a team that is dealing with injuries right now. They were without Michael Kidd Gilchrist without Cody Zeller. Nicola Batum is out what another month or something like that. I mean, he's, he's out for been out for a little while. Um, so again, you know, on the one side, yeah, this is a game that you really want to win, um, drops the Hornets to one and two. Um, but it's, again, you kind of come out of this and you just say, bank it, you know, just bank the win. Um, as our dear friend, Ted Davis would say, get it earning interest in the bank. Um, because, you know, getting these conference wins, getting these wins at home, um, it, it's just a good thing, right? I mean, you're going to have some issues during the season, fine. Um, but at a minimum, you know, just kind of keep winning games and um, certainly areas that can be improved on again that we saw tonight. But overall, um, you know, maybe not a, a most comfortable win, but certainly one that was encouraging on a number of fronts. And um, as, yeah, as, by the time we get to by the time we get to March, I don't remember that that 103-94 victory over the Hornets was a super ugly basketball game. I just remember that <laughs> they beat the Hornets by nine points and took care of business early in the season. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be uh, – I mean, this 
this young team keeps on winning games close. And uh, obviously the scoreline by the end of the game is a nine-point game, but this was a game that was tight. And it, it was tight in the final couple minutes, so he had a tie. Uh, Bucks go up 96-94. Uh, and then Giannis finds Chris late in the clock, and Middleton ends up hitting a three, his first one since the season opener. I think he was uh, one uh, one for his last 15 before that one, so one oh. for 15 to start the season. Uh, and he hits that one to go two for 16, and it was a good time to hit it because uh, he, he ends up helping put the game away. And then he also had the block on the other end. Uh, Post game, everyone was kind of making fun of Chris because Chris isn't necessarily a, a high flyer. <laughs> um, so Greg Monroe was in the locker room loudly declaring that it doesn't count as a block. We can't call it a block because it was still on the rubber when he got it. Uh, so he didn't actually pin it on the glass. He pinned it on the rubber part of the backboard. Uh, I think Kid during his press conference joked that that's Chris's first block since high school uh, and encouraged all of us to find out when his last block was. Uh, <laughs> and Chris confirmed that the last time he had a block like that. He's like, yeah, I think it was high school. Um, so, I, I mean, that's just kind of the spot this team is in. I think that – I guess that atmosphere, that environment, uh, that just general attitude kind of speaks to where this team is right now. They're winning close games. Uh, sometimes it's not pretty, but they're a very confident team right now. And uh, I just think it's kind of it's kind of fun to watch this team right now. Even on a night where, where things didn't go so well, uh, on a night where things did get a little bit ugly, that you go out here and you see them get a win. That I just think that's huge uh, going forward. That last year, maybe in the final month or so, obviously they have that fourteen and four March and uh, close out the se- season on a strong note. But there were so many games last year where you thought, oh, if only they hit this free throw, if only they, they do this, and you would try to take moral victories out of it and say, well, Giannis still had a good game and he played well down the stretch. If maybe if other people didn't, or you would do whatever you could to kind of justify a loss. And I think we're in a spot now where one, as fans, I'm not seeing many people do that. Uh, after the the Cleveland loss, it, it was the Bucks have to be better. There was no, well, Giannis still scored 34. It's it's great. It was, no, you have to compete against these teams, and those are the teams that you're measuring yourself against. And I don't know, it's just kind of, a, a to me, obviously someone who's talked about the Bucks now for four or five years as someone who's written about them even longer and someone who's been a fan for his entire life, like this is kind of a, a weird spot and a weird feeling that when they get in these situations, I, I'm slowly turning from, Man, how are the Bucks going to screw this one up? To well, they'll figure it out. That's such a strange feeling as a Bucks fan to think, "Oh yeah, they got this." Like Giannis will make a play, or even in that moment as he passes it to Chris, you're thinking, "Man, Chris is a, hasn't hit a shot," and he hits it. And when you ask Giannis about it post game, he he looks me right in the eye and says, "Don't worry about Chris." He's the last guy you got to worry about. He's going to get out. I had asked about a slump, so he's going to get out of the slump. Next game, he could hit seven of them. We don't worry about that. We trust him. We know he's a leader, and he led defensively today, too. There's 78 more games plus playoffs. We know he'll always be there for us. So there's no doubts in that locker room, and uh, I I think it kind of speaks to what Giannis is doing, that in 
these two in two of these wins late in the game, it was his passing. We see the the big numbers he's putting up as a scorer, but in those games late, the other team said, "Okay, we're going to put up a wall. We're going to force you to pass it." And against Boston, he, he passed it out to Delhi, and Delhi hit the three. And tonight, he passes it out to Chris, and Chris hits the three. So uh, this is a team that's playing very confidently right now. Yeah, I mean, we talked before the season. Obviously, a big storyline was continuity and how do they, you know, leverage that to to get an advantage over, especially some of these teams early in the calendar, or especially with, you know, some good teams coming up on that calendar. And obviously, they they did not pass the first big big test against Cleveland, but you know, certainly the win in Boston, regardless of you know Gordon Hayward injury, not you, you absolutely have to be thrilled with that win. That's still, you know, I think clearly the best win that they've had. Um, and bouncing back from that Cleveland loss, you know, the next night to to pull out a win against a Blazers team that obviously has the offensive firepower to beat anyone on any given night and then come back into a game on Monday. And I know there were, you know, a few folks who tweeted out, you know, hey, this is a game that last year you, you, you think the Bucks have, a, you know, and not necessarily that they would, this is a game they definitely lose last year because, you know, still, I mean, they won a lot of these games, but this is a game that they are probably less likely to win last year than maybe they are more likely to kind of, you know, hit a banana peel against uh, a team that is, eh, you know, solid middle, you know, but should probably should be a playoff team in the East just by default, even with all yeah. their injuries. Um, but by the same token, you know, Monday night after kind of a big weekend, you know, a game that maybe a young team doesn't get as emotionally engaged with. And obviously that's the kind of thing that, you know, when you, if you want to be good, you have to get, you have to get over. And, you know, I mentioned in our over under pods, you know, I I put the over under on wins at home at, I think 28, which is high relative to where they've been. They've been 23 and 18 at home each of the last three seasons, which again speaks to a weird consistency for a team whose overall record has varied greatly over the last three years. Um, but again, if you want to be a team that is going to compete for a top four spot, you can't be just slightly above 500 at nope. home, right? You have to be really good. You have to have a clear advantage. And so if you, yeah, if you go 28 and 13, that's, you know, winning over two thirds of your games. Um, that's basically kind of where all the, you know, better teams in the East last year were at. So that was kind of my goal there. And, you know, certainly right now you look at the Bucks. yeah, they're two and one. Okay. They've won two thirds of their games. Now this is where you have to keep that up in order to get to that 28 win mark. And, um, obviously big game coming up. We'll talk later this week about the Mecca game, the court, uh, the replica Robert Indiana, uh, Mecca court is, uh, is looks ready to go, which you've seen some, some social media stuff. We'll talk more about that. So that's exciting. I'm jealous to everybody including you who gets to go to that but um but yeah i mean again you know a large component right now is how do you just scrape out wins and i think tonight um certainly this was a bit of a, a bit of a scraper this was not a comprehensive victory um but you know again i think chris middleton making plays late you know chris again part part of my you know, optimism around the box, especially offensively. I mean, they've been, you know, with Giannis still pretty good offensively um, in for the most part, really. Um, I think the the question, you know, was, OK, well, maybe Giannis doesn't score 38 points per game. But I also know that Chris Middleton isn't going to shoot, you know, 10 percent from three all season. Um, I know he's going to get better. Uh, and and I think tonight, again, slow start. Um, I think he was was like two for eight or something like that to start the game three of um, 12 at the half three of 12 yeah so and he ends up um eight for 19 so that means in the second half he goes five out of seven and again that shot you mentioned hitting that that you know key uh 
straightaway three that I think it took them from what 90 uh, from a 94 to 99, yeah, to 94. Yep. yeah exactly so that was really the one that kind of put it away and then you know Chris making a big block and then Giannis um, making a big block as well late in the game and I didn't you know you don't think of like guys having clutch being clutch defenders <laughs> but um, you know Chris I feel like has made a bunch of you know he, he's tended to make big sort of steals in fourth quarters yep. maybe not blocks um, and Giannis I mean you know Saturday being the prime example but that is not the first time that Giannis has ha- come up with big blocks late in games. You know, and off the top of my head, I just remember the Portland game in Portland last year. He had a big block late. Um, the game at home against the Timberwolves, he had a yep. big block late. He, for whatever reason, seems to come up with blocks in in crucial moments in in some of these games for the Bucks. Which, um, again, uh, that's just another way that that Giannis kind of differentiates himself. And I think. You know, is uh, the points and and all the st- all the stats offensively are incredible, um, but the fact that he is such a, a an impact player defensively and can make big plays, you know, late in games, uh, it, it really speaks to just how how well rounded he is, and obviously just sort of the impact he has and how rare that is. But um, anyway, I don't know if we uh, do we have anything else Giannis specific, or should we talk about? non Giannis stuff I mean I know everybody loves talking about Giannis I don't know if we want to talk about kind of what we saw from him today if we saw anything different than usual today no I just think uh, there was a general sloppiness to his play Um, and after the game I asked him about that and he said well you know I just have to be better Um, a bunch of those were they were my fault I have to I have to clean up what I'm doing so um, I thought that was all pretty simple and straightforward. But other than that, I mean, like you said, it's a new normal. That's that's strange. And as unfair as it sounds, like part of me thinks, man, Giannis didn't even play that good. Uh, the, <laughs> the, there was so there was so many because he, he doesn't take shots all that far away, and you're just you just get so used to him finishing at the rim that when you see him miss some of those short ones, you're like man he should have had that one um but it it just speaks to how spoiled we've become at this point uh to to even have just the basic thought that 32 14 6 2 and 1 uh could be a a bad game from Giannis. so uh he's he's in a different stratosphere at this point uh looking at some of the other things um i think i'll go i mean i think we should go because we're already there. We've never left. We'll be there forever. We should go to the archipelago, right? <laughs> I, I, I thought there was like a Johnny O'Brien uh, conversation. Gonna, well, gonna I mean, we, we can, uh, I'm going to record my own podcast uh, yeah, about yeah. that. Uh, but... Yeah, let, let's, just, let's just, so we don't have to really spend any time on Johnny O'Brien. Let's just say shout out to Johnny O'Brien. He had a really nice game, 14 points in like 10 minutes, which is more than he ever scored for the Bucs. Um, so... MIP maybe? I don't know, man. If you go from <laughs> J-O-B to a passable NBA player, you don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, J-O-B, Frank Kaminsky, 18 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and dunking on Giannis. Yeah, caught Giannis napping, which, you know, again, I I tweeted that sort of his probably his biggest weakness defensively is, is just, um, you know, the sort of uh, frequency with which guys can, can get a – get a step on him and oftentimes obviously his length allows him to recover but it looked like he might have been peaking elsewhere off ball when frank went into his drive and he gave him just too much room and frank ended up dunking it wasn't really like a facial per se but he definitely got past Giannis, and and that was definitely on Giannis. so i, I 
Frank Frankowitz. I was going to say, I think Frank's going to count that as a facial. Oh, for for him, sure. Yeah, but in, in the in the Frank <laughs> Kaminsky pantheon of of that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so on the bench, Mirza Toledovic, five of nine from the three point line, uh, and really, I'm trying to think at the half if he had hit any of those or if all five were in the second. No, he got he got some in the first half. I think I think he got one or two maybe. Okay, because I know there were three of. Oh, it was bad. Three of something. Three of 13 maybe at the half um, from three. And, yeah, I guess you're – I think he might have hit one or two of those in the second quarter. Um, but still, five threes on the night for Mirza Toledovic. I'm going to say this. I don't mind him being on the floor with Giannis Dedekumbo. And maybe on this podcast we've suggested that we should see that. That that would be a good pairing, that Giannis – and Mirza might work, and to get to it tonight, they went through some very funky lineups. Very funky. Uh, point DeAndre Liggins. Point DeAndre Liggins was out on the floor, and there was some weird stuff out there. Yeah, uh, but, at the, but at the same time, I finally got to see more than like two or three minutes of Mirza with Giannis, and lo and behold, Giannis getting Mirza Toledovic threes is, is, is pretty nice. Um, it's a thing that can work out, uh, and that was certainly highlighted on uh, that play in transition where Delhi throws it to Giannis, uh, kind of a little bit late in the middle of the floor. Giannis one touch behind the back pass to Mirza Toledovic across court, which doesn't make any sense. An across court behind the back pass, uh, but hits Mirza there. I thought Mirza had a good night. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's now nine out of nineteen um, from three on the season, uh, and lay you know, sick, lay sick. Like, yeah, sick. yeah. The goggles, uh, the goggles are are. What, what is? Isn't there a Simpsons quote like "They goggles, they do nothing"? Well, <laughs> not these goggles. <laughs> they do something. Um, yeah. So, uh, shout out to uh, to Mirza's uh, ophthalmologist um, for for hooking him up with the LASIK surgery or whatever happened there. And um, you know, as we said, I think. We expected certainly he was ripe to, to at least shoot better from three this year. Um, and tonight, you know, I think he just got a few, he got a more looks where he was on balance, really spotting up, wasn't, you know, off balance. A lot of times, obviously, I think that's where people get a little, you know, uh, not thrilled with his shot selection yeah. when he's, you know, catch and shoot, off balance, kind of stuff like that. But um, tonight, he he did hit one of those uh, <laughs> late in the shot clock, like a double clutch from about thirty feet out, which buzzer you know, beater at the end of the third needed. Yeah, it. just sort of showed it was it was his night. But um, yeah, Toledovich, I thought you know gave them really nice minutes, and you know I think the other kind of the other thing that is a plus two, I think is. Um, especially on a night like this, we haven't talked about Malcolm Brogdon being out yet, but Brogdon misses a game with uh, an ankle injury, which apparently happened on the last play where he stole the ball and fed Giannis for that dunk uh, on Saturday. That so is our hypothesis, yes. That's the hypothesis, I guess. I mean, I don't know if it's a good sign that it wasn't obvious during the game and he didn't seem to come out, um, or I, I don't know. I, I assume that's a good thing, but yeah. it sounds like it's a kind of a day-to-day thing, hopefully with um, a couple days off that will help him 
be ready for Thursday um, because certainly that was kind of the one equalizer for me. Um, obviously, Jabari's we know Jabari's not playing right now, but you know, looking at the Hornets, knowing Batum is out, knowing that Zeller and, and Kid Gilchrist were out tonight, you kind of circled this one at, going after out of the weekend, saying like, okay, you have to win this game. <laughs> this yeah. is a game you need to win. And then knowing that Brogdon was not going to play, and that your you know point guard rotation was Del Vadova, and you know, I I was guessing GP two might get a look, and he, he did. did. He he was minus eight in three three minutes, which he got his know, look. Yeah, plus minus not always a, a great uh, indicator of, you know, what you contribute. But um, GP2 out there with kind of a ragtag group uh, off the bench um, did, did, did not work in the short stint. And um, weirdly enough, uh, not only did, did Jason Kidd go with, you know, no no true point guard at various points uh, of the game when Delhi was out. He played 33 minutes, so it's not like Delhi played, you know, 40 minutes or something. But, um, I mean, we saw DeAndre Liggins literally dribble the ball up the court and sort of get the box into their offense <laughs> like yeah, that uh, might be generous but yeah 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 and Liggins you know again Liggins the plus minus numbers weren't good this time around minus 12 but um hit two out of four shots including one out of two threes one assist one steal one block a uh, couple turnovers so you know a couple moments where it's like eh, DeAndre don't dribble the ball yeah I, um, I talked to him a little bit post game and he said that uh, obviously, he he didn't get training camp with the team. Like he just kind of right. he joined, uh, and he was like, defensively, it doesn't affect me. Like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I do defensively, and I'm gonna listen to my bigs call whatever I need to do. Like if I'm playing a left hip, a right hip, like if I'm forcing him whichever way. Uh, he's like, but offensively, he's like, I've only been activated for these two games, and he's like, I knew how to space better tonight just because. I played with, with these guys uh, in, a, in a game. He's like, I understood where they'd want me to go. And he was like, so now I'm to a point where, like, I understand, oh, Giannis is going to want me to move to, to this spot. And uh, as you saw, obviously he gets two threes off tonight, and they're both catch-and-shoot looks and both relatively open. And he, he said he felt like he just had a better idea of where to go on the floor, which which makes sense. So, um Again, and, I, I, and his other and his other shot was a looked like a corner three, but I think his foot was on the yeah. line, right? So, um, his maybe his his spatial awareness uh, at the Bradley Center needs a little bit of work, but um, yeah, nearly two, nearly a couple of threes. So don't um, ever don't it, ever dribble though, DeAndre. No, that, that's no. Not but the, I, but I, I agree. I mean, like you know, I, you know, looking at this looking at him as a guy that you know, again, we didn't even think was going to be on the roster right before yeah. we randomly saw his name get get on a press release about being claimed off waivers um yeah i mean his play has certainly you know been deserving of minutes um you know we'll kind of see right like i think we'd we'd probably rather see you know sterling brown win some minutes here but certainly liggins has not hurt his chances of of sticking with the team we talked about the other night like there's there are minutes to be had at the backup two if you want to call it that or backup kind of one or whatever and especially tonight with brogdon out um but either way there's there's minutes to be had there and this is kind of what we've always said with rashad vaughn like hit open threes don't turn the ball over like play good defense and you can play you can get minutes and in the two games that he's played deandre liggins has done that better than rashad vaughn uh, yeah. And we haven't really gotten to see Sterling Brown get a chance to do that. But, uh, I mean, if if you need a more uh, 
I guess that's it's something that we've always said. Like this is the physical manifestation of that. Like this is what it's supposed to look like: is just playing defense, spacing the floor, and if you're there, knock down a shot. And I mean that that's just kind of the job description, and we're seeing Liggins execute it right now. Yeah, and you know the fact that he can defend point guard. I mean, very similar to Tony Snell in the sense that even though he has clearly wing size, right? No one would confuse him for a combo guard or even a shooting guard, really, probably more of a small forward. Um, he he can defend one through three. I mean, I, I imagine he could hold up and mismatch, you know, and, and switches on fours, too. And um, that's the kind of versatility defensively. Again, if, if he can continue to hit those open corner threes that, um, you know, we saw it with Tony Snell, uh, who, who had another solid night tonight, 13 points on eight shots, five out of five free throws. Uh, plus 22 um, Tony continues to play well interestingly just 0 for 1 from 3 so uh, there were a couple of you know we talked about this last game too the sort of these no 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 yes type type plays um, <laughs> Tony's got Tony, some confidence yeah second half maybe a little too much confidence yeah, he had a couple a of much. like floater type shots that were not, you, not ideal not you yeah um, but he, you know, and, and a couple of his buckets early were off nice, you know, were off dunks. One of them, I think he had a couple off nice passes from yep. Del Vidova, who, um, you know, as much as we, we complain about Delhi tonight, you know, sort of staying in his lane, missed both of his threes, but one out of three overall, you know, he wasn't forcing shots, nine assists and just one turnover in 33 minutes. Um, and I, I just felt like, you know, he was getting out of the way enough. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we always complain about the Bucks trying to run too much stuff being too much stuff being Delhi dependent, yep. uh, especially late in games. And tonight that that wasn't really the case. He was a plus seventeen, so obviously. Um, and I mean, you know, he played thirty three minutes, so he had a chance for us to feel that way. And yeah. not not really. I don't think once during that game did I feel like, man, they're just leaning on Delhi too much here, which I think should be a positive sign because if there's one thing that we we kind of have always complained about, it's everyone feeling somewhat neutered while he's on the floor, which doesn't make sense because it's just Delhi. Um, but everyone ha- has kind of had kind of felt that last year. Um, and that hasn't been the case thus far this year. Chris has been fine with him on the floor. Giannis has been fine with him on the floor. Um, so we'll see if that continues, but it's certainly a good trend. Obviously I don't think you want to be paying nine and a half million dollars for that every year. Um, but the fact that he's fitting better into that role and not, I don't want to say making other people feel uncomfortable, but just kind of bogarting some of the the playmaking. That that seems to be he- trending in the right direction. I'm not sure if it's real, but we'll we'll have to keep an eye on it. Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I think uh, just thinking, looking at this game defensively, um, it's the best numbers wise defensive performance of the year for the Bucks. They allowed 96 points per 100, which is well above their their season averages. Um, I asked you to guess. Uh, I was looking at the stats before we went on the air uh, where the Bucks ranked after this game in terms of defensive rating, and you correctly guessed twentieth. Yeah, uh, a, a nice round number. So you know, again, after four games, Bucks pretty much right where they were last year. Um, it, you know, interestingly, their their defensive rating is actually a fair bit better, but just the overall league numbers right now tend to be are a little bit depressed um, in terms of just offensive ratings overall so um anyway we'll, we'll kind of have to see how that evolves their corner threes allowed are, are actually uh well down i think they are now at five and a half allowed per game after 8.7 last year but um obviously 
you know, it's the whack-a-mole problem. Like, okay, you, maybe teams aren't exploiting you there, but they're exploiting you elsewhere. I think um, looking at this game, you know, uh, they allowed just 7 out of 26 from 3. Again, it's probably some good luck there in, in allowing just 27% from 3. Um, Kemba was just 1 out of 6. Jeremy Lamb was just 1 out of 5. Um, Kemba just always scares the daylights out of me because yep. – his his handle is just so tight and he's able to create space so well for himself. He's really become really good at that kind of pull up three off the, out of the pick and roll. Man, it's um, never in a million years did I think he would be this good in the NBA. Like after watching him for those first couple of years, and I know they always say it takes a couple of years for point guards, but just the improvements he's made in his game, man, it, it's crazy. Yeah, and I think, you know, they contained him well enough. Um, yeah. You know, credit – Credit the bigs for not being completely exploited um, when Kemba was was able to kind of get get uh, get pick and rolls going, um, and I think you know looking at some of the some of the numbers as well, you know, just thirty two points in the paint for uh, for the Hornets um, helped a lot that they had a very good strategy of just fouling Dwight Howard when he was around the basket, and in spite of him having seven offensive rebounds. Um, the 22 Bucks, rebounds overall. 22 total. The Bucks held Dwight to eight points because he was 0 for 9 from the foul line. That'll help. And, you know, you look at, I mean, if, if you look at the area where the Hornets blew this game, I'm sure they'll kind of go back. And if you're a Hornets fan, you probably say, man, we didn't shoot the ball well. You know, 17 assists against 14 turnovers. So they kind of played in the Bucks' hands there. They didn't work the ball around. They didn't obviously pay off, you know, those three, the three point looks. Um, but, Man, 21 out of 36 from the foul line. Uh, they were good if you exclude Dwight, right? I mean, if you take yeah. out um, if you take out Dwight uh, from that, you're at 78 percent, I think. Um, so you're, you'd be fine if if not for Dwight. But um, again, the Bucks you know, <laughs> strategically fouled. Um, I do think it'll be interesting to watch. And we talked against about it the other night. Putting teams on the foul line um, has been an issue this year. It's been yeah. an issue in the past. Uh, and, you know, again, it's just one more area where, um, you know, if you if you run teams off the line, maybe you cut down your three point, point looks a little bit. But, you know, how do you avoid fouling? And I think I think I worry a little bit that the Bucks have become maybe, you know, and not the only team like this, but, you know, when when teams become so ingrained about help defense, guys just don't defend as man defenders as yep. well. And it's almost like oh, someone's got it. Sometimes you got to just stop the ball, you know, and, yep. and just man up. And, um, you know, even Giannis is, you know, as we said on the perimeter, Giannis is susceptible to, to that as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, defensively that you'd feel better about this game. You know, uh, interestingly, um, we talk a lot about the bucks being bad, from a distribution standpoint, because they don't force mid-range shots um, tonight, Charlotte—that's that was kind of where their biggest advantage was. They were had a twenty to six advantage on mid-range jumpers, uh, or sorry, mid-range points uh, over the Bucks. So you know that's an area where if you're gonna if you're gonna lose a game or you're gonna lose a, an area, you'd much rather lose the battle of the mid-range than um, than the battle of the three-point line. And um, both teams shoot twenty-six times from three. The Bucks nine out of twenty-six. Uh, the Hornets seven out of 26. So, um, so yeah, uh, I think defensively a better effort. Um, you know, I thought, uh, maybe we talk a little bit about, you know, defense, obviously talk about centers a lot. Um, and another, this was, pro- this was probably the most amusing game the Bucks have had from a center rotation perspective. Cause not only did John Henson play, but 
He only played the fourth quarter, right? Am yep. I remembering this correctly? He, he played, played all the 12 int- minutes. He was basically Jason Kidd is using John Henson. We joked about him being a closer the other night. He's literally a closer at this point. Jason made that joke post game. He was like, I guess it's kind of like in baseball. I'm using him like the closer. And we're like, yeah. Like when he said it, I was like, yeah, man, that's what we talked about on Lockdown Buckets the other week. And it's so weird. That is the weirdest thing. And if it was anyone but Jason Kidd, we would say, surely this will never happen again. (laughs) Um, But with Jason Kidd, I have no idea. And. You know, it's and tonight Moose actually got minutes, so yeah, I, I don't. It's weird. Yeah, and I mean, I, you know, Greg was not great um, efficiency wise, four out of nine, eight points, but it felt like he was more productive. He wasn't, you know, getting uh, abused yeah. <laughs> as obviously. Um, I think I want to say was John, was I think he came in when Dwight was in the game, but then. I think he also matched up, I want to say, against J.O.B. at some point. And, um, you know, J.O.B., like we said, had himself a night, 14 points on seven shots. But um, J.O.B. was a minus 12. Greg was a plus five. Um, Greg also seven boards, three assists in 21 minutes, plus five overall. Um, So, again, you know. All three centers were a plus. Thon just barely a plus one, but still, all three centers were a plus. Yeah, and Thon had an interesting night. you know, he got he got what three steals in the first quarter just from basically fronting Dwight Howard and just working hard and denying Howard catches. Yep. Um, and so that was, I think, a positive. Um, you know, ultimately he plays 16 minutes, got his fifth foul. I think what early in the third quarter. Yep. Um, but to be honest, I like and I think kids done this a little bit uh, in some of the other games too. Like basically doesn't worry about Thon's fouls. <laughs> Just let him <laughs> Which, go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's the thing. I, I feel like last year he may have pulled him early when he gets a couple fouls, and it's like why bother pulling him because of You're fouls? Only gonna You're play not going to. Yeah, exactly. Like if he fouls out, you know, he fouls out. Um, he's not like you're, you know, you're, you're probably not going to go to him in crunch time anyway, unless, you know, he's really playing well or something. So um, kind of a mixed bag for Thon. Uh, he goes two out of seven. All but one of those were from three point ranges. Howard was just indifferent to coming out and guarding him. And he hit two of them, which was, you know, again, um, you'd love to see him pay off a little bit more. Um, they were all and, open. They were all open, and the thing that the only my only regret there was he he kind of he missed I think he missed one badly in the third quarter, and then he stopped shooting him. He had a chance to shoot like another one or two, and then he and, took a pull up jump. Come on, yeah, no, yeah, like he could have taken another shot. three, and he dribbled in and took like an elbow like push shot kind of like leaning jumper. Yeah, it was just like dude, like no, just shoot and the three. I, right, and I think. And and I don't know. I mean, this is one of those things that is probably a little uncomfortable for people to think about. But, you know, I mean, we've talked, obviously, we don't have expectations of Thon offensively being really a dynamic player. And nope. um, certainly what we've seen from him early this season, we haven't seen him do anything basically other than shoot open threes and maybe dunk on open dunks a couple times. Yep. Um, he's not really giving, not really doing anything as far as, offensive rebounding um he's really just kind of what he was last year right just stretch the floor offensively and then work hard defensively try to you know be active maybe not do maybe not he's not maybe doing things that that pop out in a box score but um i I don't know i mean i think it's funny we'll we'll talk more about some of the eric bledsoe rumors probably tomorrow but um you know i i made a comment like i i wouldn't put Thon or Brogdon into an Eric Bledsoe trade and you know someone asked me I forget who it was someone asked me was like why 
what's the obsession with Thawne? Like, why, you know, why would you be so beholden to keeping him? And I, I think it's a fair question because I mean, we've talked about his trade value may never be higher than it is right now, right? I mean, if he yeah. doesn't really evolve his game. Um, but by the same token, he's on a rookie contract for another couple of years and he fits kind of what the Bucks want to do so well. I mean, he fits kind of where the game is going so well. And in a world where so much of your offense is predicated on creating room for Giannis and having, you know, mobile defenders who can defend pick and roll and, you know, defend multiple positions from big to small. Um, you know, again, Thon doesn't have to really like max out as some star type player to, to be valuable and, and fit well. So anyway, I think it's funny. It's funny that you say that about Brogdon and maker, because I think both of them in some ways you're having those same discussions that what they do is incredibly valuable in that they can both stretch the floor, they can both defend a number of positions, but ultimately, obviously Brogdon's gotten better at it this year and he's continuing to improve in that regard as a playmaker, but both of them probably aren't ever going to be primary playmakers, primary scorers. So how do they get paid? What is their value? Is their value more in Milwaukee than it would be other places? Um, and then how does the rest of the league value that? Like, I think it's it's a very interesting question uh, to kind of think about uh, context-dependent situations for these guys, that in certain environments they're going to do better. And it just happens to be that if you're going to play with a superstar whose one problem is that he can't really shoot, well, maybe they have way more value here. So, um, yeah, I look forward to our, our conversation about that. We can talk about that. But, yeah, at this point – Don, I, I don't know that I'm upset. If every shot he would take is a three or a lob or a, a bounce pass on a rim run for a dunk, like that's fine with me. That that in fact that'd be great. I don't care if he ever takes a hook shot. He he can yeah. he can do that, those two things, and if he can do those two things efficiently, that's. That's one heck of a basketball player if you add in a guy that can also defend a couple different positions. Uh, so, uh, yeah, th- those two guys are interesting, and we can talk about them a little bit more. Um, anything else you're thinking about with this game? Uh, other thoughts that you had? Um, no, I, I think that's that's mostly it. Um, you know, again, I think you hope that, that Chris may be hitting that late three uh can can maybe bump chris's confidence up a little bit um See, you know frank i i tried not to tweet it tonight uh but good god man there are good looks everywhere yeah like the bucks were three of 13 from three and i don't want to say i i would need to review it but i would guess 10 of those threes were would either be classified as open or wide open uh, by however uh, like the defensive how much how far away the defender is like they just get open looks all the time and uh, i know before this game i think they were 10 in offensive efficiency i'm not sure where they'd be tonight they probably take a little bit of a bump down but i said the other night like i don't if they continue to get these looks if Giannis it continues to draw all this attention at some point all these threes are, are going to fall in or at least a, a higher number of these threes are going to fall in and 
I think you could really see this offense take off. So it's going to be interesting to watch. But, man, I, every night I've, I've watched them play this year, I just keep thinking to myself, man, these dudes are so open. And that's that's kind of a, a great feeling if you're trying to get your offense going. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun, I was thinking about this the other day, this sort of tangential that um, I think most people who follow the game have probably heard some variation of the phrase that like the Warriors and like these great offensive teams, like they'll they'll pass on a good shot to get a great shot. Yep. I, I don't really buy I that. I don't think it's true. I, yeah, I mean. I, I was actually looking at this because I because I, I I feel like you know those teams are great because look at Steph Curry's shot selection, look at Clay Thompson's shot selection. Like they take bad shots for an average shooter, yep. and but they're so good at bad shots that um, you know they they can just. I mean that to me that's the big differentiator. The Bucks are not that kind of team. Um, I was looking at uh, I found I forget where it was, but I found a, a breakdown of percent of shots that were wide open in an offense Mm -hmm. and i think the warriors last year like i want to say 33 percent of their shots were considered wide open versus the bucks i think 32 percent of their shots were wide open so that kind of felt like it was at least some validation that you know there's not like some clear correlation between uh, again it's not like the the warriors still get do get a lot of open shots but um and it makes sense right because they have so many guys who can create gravity yep. but I, I also don't feel like this is a team that's and, and again if you want to play fast you don't play fast by being super super patient and yep. passing up open threes and things like that like if clay thompson passes up a marginally open three he's made a mistake, <laughs> like, you, know, yeah. you know? So I, I don't know. That just kind of randomly came to mind, but I agree. I mean, I think the Bucks quality of, of looks has been good. Um, and you know, an interesting thing too, I've, I, you know, I've been noticing in the, the box score. So I use this, um, Chrome extension if people want to so know more. It yeah. If people want to know more, um, I forget the name of it, but it basically, creates it takes espn box scores and then gives you live advanced stats at all times and it also gives you like fast break points points in the paint points off turnovers mid-range points all these like good stats and it does it live throughout the game just like automatically um and it was interesting because the bucks fast break points that they've been calculating which i think is is calculated off of um the play-by-play box score i think it's basically like you know like six seconds or less after an inbound like do you score or not um I think that's what they're doing. Um, that the Bucks numbers have been very low, and last year um, I forget where the Bucks were, but you know, right now the Bucks. I just looked on the NBA.com stat just to see if maybe like the you know this extension was giving me like bad data or something. But so far in four games, the Bucks are averaging six and a half fast break points per game, which is very very low. Like the Bucks are not getting many fast break points right now, so they're they are not getting. You know, easy buckets by any stretch of the imagination in fast break. Now, Giannis still gets to the rim in sort of semi-transition and things like that, and obviously that's awesome, and that's partly why he's so valuable. Um, but in terms of like the official fast break stat that the NBA keeps, like last year they were at thirteen point eight points per game. This year, six and a half. So um, I that's would another. Be, I'd be curious what the number is in like that next range. Yeah, you and I think I mean? if you look because at, yeah, I, think, I think I think in like semi-transition secondary, yeah, like secondary, secondary break, breaks yeah. i think they just kill this year because yeah. so often they'll push and then instead of 
Giannis like attacking out of control, it'll be just a, a baseline or it'll be uh, just a quick post up. And I think we've seen a number of times. So I I think I'm going to dig into that as well because I'm very curious about kind of the, the time segments because that can be a very meaty time of the shot clock. Like if it isn't the first six seconds of the possession, but that next four to five seconds, like you're still the other team's still trying to get matched up that there can still be some cross matches like there's still some interesting stuff there and i do think the bucks are doing a nice job in that range so uh we'll have to check that out but i I would agree like i I think maybe the fast break isn't uh getting to be where they want it to be but i think their pace is good and it's getting them good looks in just a slightly later time period yeah and i mean the the plus side and the interesting thing is so a lot of times you know, you think of fast break points, it will be correlated with a couple things like points in the paint. Oftentimes, like, you know, fast break points, oftentimes for a team like the Bucks, because they're not shooting threes, there'll be some correlation there. Like, you know, you're getting easy buckets or just dunks or something like that. Um, the Bucks are actually up 5.4 points per game in points in the paint from 48.6 last year to 54 per game this year. Obviously, you can attribute most of that probably to Giannis because he's just been living there. Um but interesting points off turnovers. That's another one, right? You think of points off turnovers being correlated with fast break points. They're only down a point in points off turnovers last year, 17.3 per game this year, 16.3 per game. And probably the reason why the decline in fast break points, you know, other than the fact that it's a somewhat arbitrary cutoff and they're probably doing a lot more damage in sort of these secondary transition points, like synergy also has a transition point per game, points per game numbers that they track for players. I, I imagine if we look in that, we'll probably find a lot more, um, points being categorized that way, but, you know, using whatever the cutoff is for, for the NBA.com stats last year, I mentioned the Bucks dropping from 13.8 to 6.5 so far. Interestingly, opponents, last year, 11.7, which was very good. Bucks have been a very good team at defending and stopping the opponent fast break. Giannis being sort of just like an extremely intimidating guy in the open court is probably part of that. Um, but this year, three and a half points per game allowed in transition, um, which is pretty incredible. And I, yeah. I, again, I'd probably want to look into this because it seems crazy low and uh, i do wonder if maybe there's just something going on in the data but um but anyway interesting stuff to look at and uh again you know kind of it's obviously very early to start trying to drawing many conclusions about you know what the bucks defense we know you know we obviously talk all the time about the bucks scheme and you know the big question marks around that scheme and whether that's you know really something you can succeed with sustainably in the modern nba um I don't know. I mean, it's it's early to obviously be kind of drawing many conclusions around like if the results, if if they can figure out some way to at least maybe use their talent to overcome some of the schematic issues. Um, as you said, 20th in defense so far, so nothing to write home about. They've maybe had you know a few teams in the first three opponents were were pretty good offensively, but um, you know we'll obviously track this stuff throughout the season because um, regardless of you know what we think of the scheme. At this point, you just kind of cross your fingers and hope that they can figure out a way to make it work and use that personnel correctly. And um, again, tonight it worked out ultimately. Um, and we'll see moving forward next on Thursday against Boston if they can uh, maybe build on that a little bit. All right, Frank. I think that's all we got. Bucks win 103-94 on a mediocre night from Yasdeta Kumbo. Uh, he leads the way. <laughs> 
<laughs> 32 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 6 turnovers, 13 for 21 from the field. Um, I, I clearly jest, but uh, he is setting quite a standard. So a big night for him. Chris Middleton hits a big shot late. Bucks uh, to put the book Bucks up ninety nine ninety four, uh, and that was the I think he was one for fifteen before he hits that three. So a big one. Maybe Chris gets going, but twenty points for him on the night with six rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a big block late. Bucks win three and one on the season, and that is going to be it for Locked On Bucks. We got some. Trade rumors to talk about, Frank, and I know I'm excited about it. I imagine you are just as excited about it. We will do that uh, tomorrow. That was Frank Men. I'm Eric Name. We will talk to you later.